You want to come collect from us? We got the biggest goddamn military in the world. We'll fuck you up. That's right. Loan me more money, Kareem. Give me your lunch money. (laughs) Today's episode, we're talking about Facebook getting hacked. We talk about Coinbase bundles. The father of the World Wide Web launches a decentralized platform. Malta's prime minister addresses the UN. Stellar launches a decentralized exchange. U.S. debt costs may soon eclipse something. I can't read the rest of that. Coin Market Cap considers HitBTC the most advanced exchange. The fuck? And <laughs> DocuSign is going to use the Ethereum network. Then we're going to have a little bit of a mailbag section on Flagship Friday. And Harvard University collaborates with the top 20 crypto. Yep, that didn't make it over the side. All right, that too. Welcome back to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Locke, and I will be back with my full cast of characters today, Brent Philbin. Uh, yep, what's up? I'm basically the Iron Man. I'm Tom, uh, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. That's me. Uh, you're, you're Downey something. Uh, and I'm also joined today Ooh. by Kareem Baruke. Uh, hello. Yay, and let's talk some crypto. Wait, wait, which adventure is Kareem? Is he just Hawkeye? Uh, the Avengers are the superheroes, right? So I get to pick yeah. a superhero. Is that basically the thing right now? Yeah. He's definitely not Captain America. I'll be Doctor no, no. I like Doctor Strange. <laughs> All right. He gets to be uh, the high-functioning autistic one. All right, got it. <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh and for those of you that are unfamiliar with the Friday flagship, it's our weekly discussion on crypto news and all sorts of nonsense that gets tossed around in this space. Let's cover some announcements, Brent. Looks like we had a slight error in that Lisk episode. What did we mess up? As usual, we do a one-on-one episode. We're going to screw some stuff up. But I didn't even know this. I thought Java and JavaScript were the same thing. They are not. So we said that uh, you could program Lisk in Java. You can't. You can only program Lisk in JavaScript, and they're different. And I don't know the differences, but I thought it was important to say that. <laughs> yeah, they I was going to say just for the listeners' case, what is, <laughs> if you what, you know what would be the difference between the two? Yeah, I don't know, but there's a difference. So if you want to know the difference, go look. I'm up. sure this is something we could Google, but yes, let me Google that for you. I'll put a let me Google that for you the link key in the difference show notes. Between Java and JavaScript. <laughs> Is that Java <laughs> is an OOP programming language, while there you Java go. That clears it the fuck up. is an OOP scripting language. So yeah. it's a difference between a programming language and a scripting language. And of course, Java is also a delicious flavor of Frappuccino. More to you, Frank. Back to you, Brent. Uh, I'm going back to Mike. Okay. Oh, yeah, actually, Java creates applications that run on a virtual machine or a browser while JavaScript codes are run on a browser only. There you go. Java is run on a virtual machine. Which one did you All say? Right, guys. I have, uh, a, I have a quick question. It's in JavaScript I'm gonna, I'm gonna is what over. they use. Okay. So it's run on a browser. What is the best analogy you guys could come up with to compare that to something else? <laughs> what? We just learned what it was three seconds ago. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have a- yeah, what, it, what does it remind you of? That's the great, that's the, the best, one of the best ways to learn is what does it remind you of? I don't have anything. I was hoping you could help me. Ah, okay. <laughs> I have well, no idea. It's kind of like drywall and brick. They're used for different types of buildings that you built, but only construction people really know what it's all about. Wow. There you go, wow. ladies what and gentlemen. It? Frank with the whole broad analysis here <laughs> of the Crypto Basic Podcast. Yeah. I'm just kidding, Kareem. Yeah. And then I all said, right. whammy. <laughs> Speaking of whammy, uh, let's get to the news section, Brent. Uh, one of your favorite companies seems to have had a misfortunate situation occur. Yeah, no way that I would have ever thought that Facebook got hacked. Gee, actually, to be fair, I wouldn't have thought Facebook got hacked. You know, I thought I, I thought a lot of bad things about Facebook, but not that they were hackable. Facebook was hacked, and around 50 million accounts were compromised, kind of. Not the whole account, but the auth token that they used to sign in. So when you go to like log in with Facebook... That is an auth token that you're giving that website to check your Facebook information, to log in as you. That way you don't have to do a password on that website, and it's real. 
Can I can I interrupt you real mm-hmm. quick, Brent? I have I have a question. Okay, so I've been running into the situation that that you know this conversations on these flagships have kind of led me to these thoughts. The places where I have in the past decided to log in with Facebook, it's often in a situation where I'd rather not create a new account with a new company and I'd rather just skip the process. And in a way, logging in with Facebook originally was was kind of like our own version of like ZK Snarks where we could we could be proven that we are someone that's registered somewhere, but we could maintain our privacy and only reveal certain pieces of information that's verifiable. But now I'm running into the problem. I want to remove my Facebook connections with these companies and possibly replace them with other things. Is there a way to see where these connections are? Is there a way to... Is there just a general thought you have on that process? Well, in theory, one of the steps that they took was they logged everybody out. So they changed their uh, they changed their code. So there w- there weren't a whole lot of actual uh, accounts that were really compromised or breaches that happened. Nobody like got any money or information. They they found a way to break the token, and in theory, they could have logged into the websites as you during the small period between when the exploit happened and when it uh, and when Facebook discovered it. But the way that they fixed it was they pushed out an update that basically as long as your provider is updating their auth token with Facebook surreptitiously like they should, then you're getting kicked out of those and you have to sign in again. So you should notice that you're having to re-sign into those apps, to those websites, and then when you do, if you want to change how you're doing that, that's when you can kind of handle it. Um, and, and I recommend that you do. Now, these the sign-in with Google, sign-in with Facebook stuff – is kind of supposed to be a way to make that a little bit more secure because now you don't have another site that might be able to be breached and have your information. But if if Facebook is also not secure, it doesn't actually do anything. So Google has two-factor authentication on it. So when I do those, I try to do it with Google because I know it's going to be really hard for somebody to spoof my Google account. So anytime that I've done something like this, I feel the same way. You know, I've used Google before. I've never really trusted Facebook as much. But I will say as a quick disclaimer that in a way, I mean, you could tell me how long the window was, Brent, or how the community feels about this. But it would seem like this is actually a validation of uh, Facebook security process if, the, if it was plugged in a short period of time, right? Like, yes, something was exploited. But the idea, when we say a company like Facebook is safe, we don't mean their code is perfect and unhackable. We mean they have the security measures in place that if they were to be breached, they can immediately come. Like, that's why we were praising Horizon, right? Because they were breached, but they had a process in place to immediately deal with that breach. Yep. So it's both, yeah, I agree. It's both plus and minus on Facebook that they handled it so well and they got it fixed very, very quickly, but also that it was there. So just remember when you're clicking those login with those sites, you're giving that particular company more control and more trust over what you're doing. I have something interesting to talk about later in the episode that's going to relate to this. But for now, just make the decision whether you want to use Facebook or just make a new password and a new account. It's annoying, but it may end up being a little bit better as long as you use a different password for every account. Next news segment story we got here. Uh, Coinbase has assembled a little bit of a bundle, and I'm really interested to see you know, how this plays out over time, Brent, what what did you think about this? So these are basically like Coinbase ETFs. Like I can't figure out the functional difference, but the, what they're doing is you're allowed to buy a bundle of cryptocurrencies that are cap weighted, just like a cap weighted ETF would be. So they, they have their five assets. They have Bitcoin, Bitcoin cash, uh, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic and um, Litecoin, right, on their site. So if you buy this Coinbase bundle, you get an equivalent amount of each one of those based on your investment. So you're going to have more Bitcoin than the others, and you're going to go on down the line, and you're going to have whatever percentage of the market cap the coins comprise when you make your purchase. That's how much of the coins you're going to get when you buy a Coinbase bundle. And it looks like it'll probably be balanced at some point. So the Coinbase bundle will go up and down with the markets and will essentially be like a tracking ETF of the top five or not. Well, not the top five, but the five that are on Coinbase uh, cryptocurrencies. So it's I, I don't like I said, I don't understand the functional difference, but it's still it looks really cool for like a, a new investor that doesn't understand the difference between Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash 
Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, or they don't know why they need Litecoin as opposed to Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin, they can just say, look, we'll, we'll take it all and we'll put a, a minimum $25 into it. Not, not just we'll take it all real quick, but when it's cap weighted, they're saying we'll take it all as a representation of the current value that the market as a whole assigns to this right. currency. So you really are like when you're taking a weighted cap index, there is a significant amount of information that's going into your decision. It's just not information that you have to go and seek out. It's information the market's providing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, just as like a standard thing for stocks as opposed to cryptos, and when you're looking at ETFs or index funds, you have cap weighted which is like what we just described, you have equally weighted, which would be by five do- if you had $25, by $5 of each one of them, regardless of how big they are. And then you have other attempts at weights, like value weighting and that kind of thing. But uh, the it, I think over time, the cap-weighted ones pr- have much outperformed the equally weighted ones, if I remember right. I'm, I'm just guessing, but I think that that was the case. Maybe. Maybe not, because smaller cap coins also tend to... No, smaller cap. So I'm talking stocks here, specifically, Which in, not with, coins. Right, right. So no, I'm but not. I mean, yeah, with stocks. Anyway, I, I I love this, though. I think it it's a great thing to present this as a possible investment vehicle for the public. Yeah, a couple questions. One, um, I'm definitely a fan of this as a style. Um, I'm curious, like, is is this bundle going to be able to be traded or... Or does it purchase, like, I guess I, I don't Here's the way you, understand what the, what the user experience is going to be like. Mike, the way these things are usually handled, and Brendan, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the way this would normally be handled is essentially Coinbase is going to have a pool of money that you can buy a share of. So if you mm-hmm. go in and you say, I'm going to buy $100, then Coinbase knows that, okay, you have four share, you know, $400 shares, but they're taking everybody's pooled money and they're making that entire pool balance between these five coins. So they'll buy a little more Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash at the period where they're rebalancing. So you just have a share of a larger pool of money, which is distributed between these five coins. And at any point you can cash out because they have money coming in and out all the time. My guess is it's not tradable because that might be the key difference between an exchange traded fund and uh, and whatever the Coinbase bundle. So you're saying like it might be redeemable, like you might you can't sell it to somebody else, but maybe you can give it back to Coinbase. Yes. For whatever its market like right, rated value is. Yeah, it's not going to be like a bond. There's not going to be a particular time you have to do it. That's so. an interesting point. I'm interested here. Like, what is the what is the legal differences here? Obviously, you guys aren't going to know this, but like. Well, well, Brent just says huge right there. Yeah, I think I think Kareem hit it. I, I, I didn't think about it until you asked if they could trade it between each other. And and then Kareem started going on. That's when it l- the light bulb went off. I think because I can't trade my share of the Coinbase bundle to you, then it doesn't. It is not yeah. an asset of any kind. So this seems way better than ETFs as far as the public well, concerned. In my opinion, yes and like yes and no because I now mean you're it is totally trusting Coinbase. Exactly, so. you're totally trusting Coinbase. That's that's essentially what it is. I think all right. So I would say a majority of 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 really low end speculators would probably benefit from Coinbase custody over their own custody. No, I I don't at first. I don't disagree. At first. I don't disagree with you, Mike. I don't disagree with you, and I, I want to be clear. I I do. Uh, I like this, but yeah, that the answer is what can make this different from an ETF. Well, the difference is if you have an asset that you could take anywhere and trade it and whatever, then that asset needs to be monitored and protected more heavily than if Coinbase is just saying, this is just a contract between us and you. You're you're buying into this pool and you can redeem it from us at any point. So it would be interesting to see if that's the line they're going to take. Uh, I would say as far as, you know, entering this podcast, we've, we, I personally knew very little about investing the financial world, whatnot. And I've learned a tremendous amount just through these casual conversations on air. I would be curious, like, this just seems like one of the better ways to just like dollar cost average in, uh, have an automatic weekly or monthly deposit onto Coinbase. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure there's a way to set that up. And, you know, if you're going to deposit and buy tiny bits of crypto at a time, this seems like a way better way than, than most with the exchanges, uh, barring the fee schedule. I, I haven't looked into that. Coinbase can be a little tricky with fees, but this just seems really good. Well, yeah. And one more thing, even though I agree with you, like I would personally consider something like this if it was a different group of coins. Some, maybe There's a couple in there maybe. But the bottom line is the one argument that you could make about how this is worse than a traditional thing is that your ability to trade the asset is limited, right? If you can take something to the open market, 
and trade it to whoever's willing to pay the most, then you have more freedom as an investor than if you have a one-on-one contract with one company that might ultimately get to determine everything about the redemption period, uh, blah, blah, blah. So it's, so I agree with you that it's better, but I don't want to make it seem like it's exclusively better because there's, there is something to be said about having the freedom of selling something in the open market. I agree completely, but the the only thing is that because this market is so immature, crypto related, that you know, I just think that we need more training wheels on this market than the traditional stock world, in my opinion. Oh yeah, and and, and the individual investor can certainly benefit from this. And again, even I would definitely invest in something like this. I am a beginning investor. I agree, and this this sounds like something that might be in my 2019, you know, portfolio. Just because, yeah, and it's interesting because, like, obviously. Coinbase is very qualified at being objective on crypto and cryptocurrencies. And, you know, something like Bitcoin Cash, I'm not a huge fan of it, but like it's getting to the point where it would almost feel irresponsible not to have a small portion of it in a balanced portfolio because, you know, Brent and I have a a friend, Brant, that, you know, is the one reason that I've kept this window open that I'm considering really staying true and and unbiased and seeing both sides because he he constantly brings the positive news from the Bitcoin cash community, you know, to our attention. And, you know, at times I feel like it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, I have to get my sources from a very specific place, but, you know, I know his biases, he knows my biases, you know, we go back and forth. This just seems like part of the reason why these combined bundles are really beneficial. Yeah, and, and Coinbase can do the rebalancing for you. Like if you had $25 and you were trying to rebalance your coins all the time, you'd have a really hard time doing it. So Coinbase does all that. Kind of they they don't have to pay fees on their trades for rebalancing because they are Coinbase. So they can rebalance their portfolios super easily, and you could benefit from that for small investments. So uh, and like I said, know, I do think there is something to be said. If they are very upfront and clear about the terms and what they can and can't do, uh, that would be fantastic. But there is something to be said about them having complete control. Like, what if, you know, when a single company has controls, like, what if they change this fee schedule later? Like, what if your time of investment after you invest, they change the fees of withdrawal or uh, whatever? I'm just saying, like, it'll be interesting. Like, this is the kind of thing where the fine print matters. I'm yeah. really looking forward to seeing the fine print. Check the show notes if you want to see the fine print. I looked at the <laughs> I looked at the bases, but there was a very long article about what they're going to do with it. Also of note, uh, they were just recently valued. Coinbase was recently valued at eight billion dollars, <laughs> and they have acquired a board member named Chris Dodds from uh, from Charles Schwab. So. You'll see little legacy financial people moving what, over. What does that mean? To, like, does that mean anything to you necessarily? I mean, board members kind of control the companies a little bit. Like, they more the more the evaluation. Like, I, oh. I guess I don't really know what that looks like compared to other. I mean, for a young like, company, eight billion is amazing. Yeah, for a eight young company, like, how old are they? Two, two years old. Yeah, that eight billion is a lot. Yeah, that's that's more than a lot of the random like tech giants. The those like I don't know if I told you about those little scooters that I. That, I want to talk about these scooters. It's a little bit of a rant, but like we'll we'll do it at the end. That I these scooter things that were in DC were the coolest things I've like ever seen. It is absolutely the like they are gonna be part of the future. So throughout the city, when you're walking around, you would just see these little scooters like sitting over the side with nobody touching them. And they there were two or three different companies that had them, but Lime and Bird were the two big ones. And you just walk up to the scooter, use your app. And for a dollar, you get access to the scooter, and it's electric. So you give it a couple of kicks, and then you've got a little throttle on there, and you're like, me, and you, like, scoot around for a dollar. And if you've got that scooter for, like, 15 minutes, it costs you, like, a total of $2 or $2.50. And it's the perfect, like, thing in between Uber and walking. Like, if you're, like, trying to go to lunch for, like, a business, and you're like, ah, it's like a 15-minute walk, and I've only got, like, a 45-minute lunch break, you can't do it. You can get on this damn scooter and get there in three minutes. You're good to go. They go like 15 miles an hour. So I've seen these. I know what you're talking about. They were in Maryland when I visited this summer. And um, in the town that Lisa's family lives, they hate them 
because they are littered all yep. over the place. And like, like Kareem, like, I don't, I, Brent didn't do a good job under describing this to you. There's literally just like all down the sidewalks are just like abandoned, like bike looking things or like scooter looking things. And just like, there's everywhere. And well, that wasn't I mean, the, the case idea. in the big city. I, 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 they were very few and far between. So when you're done with them, you just leave them wherever and you clock out of them. It was hard to find them. So it wasn't like they were littering and like causing problems. So my guess is in the smaller cities that they're saturated. Well, it was also a problem um, on the beaches in Ocean City, Maryland, like in the more prominent areas. They were just like – they were quite an eyesore. They were bright orange. They were just like laying in like random places. They were just like trash. They looked like big pieces of like construction equipment almost. I don't know. I, I don't I don't think it's certainly part of the future. I would never use – I don't think they need to be in Ocean City, Maryland, but I think they need to be in New York. I think they need to be in Chicago. I think they need to be in D.C. Like they were a really good option for like uh, – an environment where getting your car and driving somewhere is a problem. Right. And I, I love my car, so I don't ever plan on being in a place like that. <laughs> I, I definitely can't speak to the advantages in locations like that, but in a place where cars are practical, AKA most places, I don't see this like picking up. Anyway, that company is valued at like, like one eighth of what, uh, what Coinbase is valued at. So, so the, those, those companies are really starting to starting to take off and, um, Anyway, just a random comparison point. If there, if that company is so all over the place that like people already hate them, then <laughs> that can give you an idea of how big Coinbase is. So, Brent, I feel like you're about to bring up an interesting uh, character chronologically in the internet time frame world. Uh, what is this story all about? All right. So the title of this story was Father of the World Wide Web Launches Decentralized Platform for Data. This is not a cryptocurrency. He's not using blockchain or any other distributed ledger technology. But I thought it was interesting because of the space, because of who he was, and because of the way that they're kind of rolling it out. So this guy is Tim Berners-Lee, and I didn't really know anything about this guy, but he created HTTP. Like, he created the, the protocol that runs the website, basically, or web, basically. Um, and actually, I should have said he is Sir Tim Berners-Lee because he has been knighted by the Queen of England for oh, his Lordy. role in creating the internet. <laughs> like, how, like, what? Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I thought that was Al Gore. And, yeah. <laughs> Why is it Al Gore, Sir Al Gore? Must have been this guy. I don't know. Maybe he is. I haven't really kept up with the blade. That's we don't point. knight people here in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> this is America. <laughs> yeah, we just, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so the new company that that is backing his decentralized platform is called Inrupt. Not interrupt. I didn't spell it wrong. They kind of that kind of sounds like a really stupid company name, uh, but the project they're backing is called Solid. And Solid is we were talking about login with Facebook and how that was kind of like scary and Facebook and all that stuff. Well, Solid is a protocol for doing that with yourself, so you can start your own server that they can look into to verify that you're a person and sign up via Solid rather than sign up via Facebook or sign up via Google if they want. And you can log in this way. And all the apps will have access to your solid server. And you can either run your own server or you can designate or join one of the other servers that's being run. There's no monetary incentive. There's no coins related to this. There's no tokens. There's no like uh, anything like that. It's just people getting together and trying to be decentralized like the internet was originally. So, um, you know, all th they want all their apps to come together under one little umbrella without blockchain. Interest it's going to be interesting to watch that develop because I'm I'm all for decentralized platforms and I love the radical decentralization that cryptocurrency uh, offers, but it'll be nice to see somebody try to do it without running an ICO. One thing I wanted to go back to with with the name Interrupt, uh, I felt like a cool name would have been Interrupt, but capitalizing T O R and in Tor, like you could have like <laughs> they're not using like, Tor. tor What's they're that? not using it. They're using Tor. That might have been pretty no, cool. No, no, I'm just saying that would have been a cool name, right? Like maybe a lowercase n and then capital T-O-R and then you could spell Rupt. Yeah, Inrupt is not a cool name, but I guess Inrupt is just a venture capital firm that's kind of like behind this. It's not the the end user is going to be seeing solid versus that. So uh, they're they're somewhat how live. Closely are you, how closely are you going to follow this? I, I tried to open uh, – I tried to download a note. I wanted to see like how it worked. Um, there's It's a little bit more advanced than I wanted to, but it – I, I, it was, I was also doing it like three in the morning, so I stopped. I was like, nah, if I go down this rabbit hole right now, 
I am going to be awake at when we record the podcast at 9 a.m. and I haven't gone to sleep, so I'm I'm killing it. But the, if you want to check it out, uh, the links are in the show notes for the for Interrupts website and Solid. So so uh, it, it'll be an interesting project to follow. And I don't think it's a threat to cryptocurrency in any way. I think it probably at some point they'll adopt something. Maybe Cardano comes in there and they're like, hey, what's up, guys? Hmm. Yeah, I don't see why something like that would be a threat to crypto. Just because they're providing other solutions, right? Yeah, so, well, the people who posted it, of course, there's people on Reddit that are like, <laughs> and getting all pissed off. So, All right, Brent. It looks like Stellar has launched a decentralized exchange. They're trying to do a couple things different. And you know, they're much more of a big bank philosophy overall what does this mean to the small end users and what are your thoughts on this? no i disagree that seller is big bank philosophy overall they specifically like while ripple took that particular stance stellar went the other way they were trying to make the little guy able to like do their own bank and be their own bank kind of thing what they've created here is their stellar x decentralized exchange now they've always had decentralized exchange functionality like you could do this but you had to be good at it there was no great user uh, interface. There was no front-facing thing that made this easy to go through. Now Stellar X is. If you go to the Stellar X website, it's really clean, really simple. It links with your tr- with your treasure, or I don't know if it does treasure, but it links with MetaMask or Ledger, and you do it that way. So now, the, if you want to check out like the ins and outs of how Stellar works, we have a 101 on it. But the quick version is. Uh, you open trust lines with different people and they can trade different ass- assets via the Stellar network and settle uh, settle afterwards. So as long as the actors on the end are acting properly, then you can trade Bitcoin for Ethereum with no problems via the Stellar network. Or you can trade US dollars for Ethereum or whatever for the free. case. Yeah. Well, no, With the, there's, st- there's tiny fees for the Stellar network. Okay, okay. Right, 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 right. The decentralized exchange is not taking those fees. If you're using this, you don't have to pay the fees. Uh, So there's absolutely no fees for any trading. There's no fees for any transfers of the money. There are fees for, like, the different trust packets. Like, if you want to onboard with U.S. dollars, you have to pay a fee. So there's a $25 fee to onboard with U.S. dollars, and it's a minimum $1,000, which is kind of nuts. But if you have Bitcoin, you don't have that problem. I bet that's a scaling solution. Yeah, as this gets more popular, like as it's being launched, yeah, other people should... are going to definitely come in and be competitors. This is just the one, the one that's a trust network or a trust. I think they're called trust, uh, trust nodes, what trust somethings that is connected to this now, and it's gonna. I'm sure there's more and more. I know you can do it with Euro for zero fees right now. So, and do you know what, uh, like how how big the matches are so far, like? Or this is just theoretical? Oh, no, no. You can go right to StellarX.com and see the trading volume. Watch it going through. It's very simple to use. Easier than Ether Delta. Uh, as, and you as can buy right as. now Bitcoin, Ethereum, everything. I would yeah, go here, everything. but it's just got the... Oh, nice. That's yeah. impressive. It, it's really good. And Stellar is a very fast network. I mean, they are significantly faster than the Ethereum network. So if they're... If this is... You know, as long as there's no issues with the, with the trust nodes... This is going to be really cool. So there's do you still. Know where, sorry, do you know where Stellar is launched? Like, uh, let me rephrase that. I'm surprised. Um, are they a U.S. company? Mm, I don't. They're remember. not, right? Or they might be in Zug or something. Like, they might be one of those projects. Okay, that would be okay. That would make sense. Here, I'll, I'll look it up if you guys want. I'm just interested. Like, yeah, I, I've that, still got more to talk about here, so we'll look that yeah, up. Continue. Yeah, go ahead. While while I'm going, the the other thing that I have talked about on the decentralized exchange at, side is. CZ randomly said in an interview when somebody was talking about decentralized exchanges, he's like, yeah, we're going to be ready by Q1 of 2019. <laughs> like, he, obviously, this wasn't an official announcement. He was just like talking, right. but he thinks they're going to be ready by Q1 of 2019. Like, holy crap, that's fast. We're yeah, talking like right three months and like two months ago is when he decided, yeah, we need to do this. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, I wonder if that means that they've already awarded that prize. That they were going to give out to whoever created the uh, decentralized exchange functionality. But if you want to see that interview, it's in the show notes or the description. That's pretty cool. That's exciting. Looks like 2019 is going to be an exciting year. This is uh, pretty cool stuff. Very bullish. Very bullish. I will say that I, I would say there's more information about Stellar on their website than a vast majority of coins have on their website. 
Uh, I have not yet found the answer, but I'm certain the answer is to be found. <laughs> also, I'd like to remind everybody I picked Stellar in my portfolio, and it was the best performing overall coin of our portfolio contest. Right. Brent, again, bragging about not winning. Yeah, you got to turn got to turn a negative into a positive, Kareem. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of that, Kareem, let's go on a conversation about U.S. debt. How are you feeling about it? Man. So this is a this is a right. conversation. No, yo, j- for the listeners, Kareem just like moved, grabbed his mic, pulled it closer, and he's like, "Oh, I'm fucking ready." He was. He's, is, that, is that what I did? Yeah. Dude. Oh. For the YouTubers, you now got to see what it's like to be Brent's friend <laughs> and watch him <laughs> imagine things. All right. So anyway, there was an article that was talking about how the projected debt level is getting so high that we are seriously looking at within the next 10 years, our payments on interest, like just interest payments, are going to be larger than our military budget. So before we go into the specifics, remember, I preface this by saying the US already spends more on the military than China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, India, France, the UK, and Japan combined. And now, Holy moly. <laughs> and now we're taking... Our interest. So here's the situation. The interest payments for U.S. debt are expected by in 10 years to make up 13% of our budget, of our total federal budget. For example, in 2017, that was 6%. We are going to owe about $900 billion a year on interest. And currently, we have debt interest payments as the fastest growing governmental expense. So not only is it huge already, but it's getting bigger by the moment. Yeah, Mike, go ahead. I I just have some comments to make on this overall concept. One, we have a drunk dad in office that has (laughs) fully represented a lot of the government over the vast majority of years. The fact that any of this is real like, kind of blows my mind. And it's fine to be in, I, I guess, like, I'm taking a personal story and kind of projecting it into a country, but, like... You can dig yourself in holes, but you got to dig yourself out eventually, man. Like this just doesn't like, I know that there's ways they can make money off these loans and that it's coming, you know, yep. they're working with it. But like this is outrageous, no, but, right? But we're not, though. And so, OK, so two things. Number one is um, I want to be very clear. I'm not a fan of Trump any more than anybody else is. But while under his administration, things have gotten worse, they've maintained the same trajectory of exponential debt growth. This is exactly what Obama did. This is exactly what Bush did. So we've been on like a prolonged period of time where our government as a whole has not shown any uh, constraint in these areas. And it's not just Trump. And yeah, it could generate more income to answer your question. Like in theory, we can borrow money as a country, but just like a regular person, if you are taking a bunch of money and you're putting it into investments, you could possibly grow that money. So what would be investments? Well, if we were investing in our education, in our infrastructure, if we were doing, I don't know, business loans, that kind of thing could be benefiting the country as a whole. But a lot of this spending is going towards number one, military spending, which is why it's the other big expenditure, right? Most of this money has been squandered in Iraq and stuff like that in Afghanistan and Yemen. And, uh, on for and big tax cuts. So there's a pretty good chance that this is only going to get worse because I don't see now the economy could grow. This is the last thing I wanted to add about this, which is really interesting. Normally, historically, the way that it works is during a recession, the de- the government's deficit goes up. The debt goes up because the government is borrowing in order to kind of help spur the economy. But during a boom where business is doing well, in subsidies should, in theory, go down, and also tax revenues go up. Then the government deficits should go down. Should go down. This is one of the first. This is the first time in history that we have the economy doing better, but the deficit is getting worse and worse and worse. So we're in uncharted territory. Um, and I know part of the reason I bring this up is because I know a lot of the people that are into cryptocurrency, whether they're coming at it from the right or the left, they come with it with a general distrust of our current system, saying like. We're just going down a path of not a sustainable, healthy economy, you know. And All I right, think Kareem, this is of that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If The Rock owed you money <laughs> and he had a semi-automatic rifle strapped over his shoulder too, 
Yes. What would you be able to do about that, Kareem? I would. Will you try to collect that shit from him? I I would probably go through a collection agency or a legal representative of some sort. And you know what he would do? He would just murder you. That's that's what America's <laughs> no, about. You want to come collect? Don't you even talk? You want to come right collect now, from us? We got the biggest goddamn military in the world. We'll fuck you up. That's right. Loan me more going. money, Kareem. Give me your lunch money. <laughs> don't worry, right, guys. guys. Don't worry. Brent we lost his mind. We have the biggest military in the world. If somebody really tries to collect from us, we'll just go take them over. I'm so confused. <laughs> I don't right know. Now. I just I like. I'm not following. I thought I was. Cream. I'm slipping I don't into know. a new I character you there, but I know you're not. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that was that. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I got a little carried away. America. <laughs> All right, Brent. So looks like you came across an ad for cryptocurrency that triggered you. Oh, I didn't come across <laughs> it, but I, I look. Somebody did, and this bl- you got triggered. This so annoying. So, Coin Market Cap. They were advertising BitConnect at the time, but at least uh, at least BitConnect was awesome. <laughs> at least, they, yeah. At least they had Carlos, and it was a banner, like it was a big ad banner on top of their website. One, I used ad blockers, so I never even saw the damn thing. Two, like you knew it was an ad, so you didn't have to worry about it. So now, if you go to CoinMarketCap.com and you click on a coin, let's say you click on Bitcoin, they have a little button that says Trade. That I, if I remember right, that button used to send you to like it showed you all the different exchanges. Now all it shows you is hit BTC, and it says the most advanced crypto exchange. <laughs> that I first of all, hit BTC is fucking dog shit. Like, do not use hit BTC. It's awful. It's a bad user experience. I had to use it when I was testing out like how the die worked. It's terrible. It's terrible. Guys, guys, I. Brent, I'm going to second this completely. Not only is that exchange really poor user experience, it's very shady. They do a lot of really, they, they, they cut corners on your accounts. They make you jump through hoops. Just please do not use yeah, that exchange. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm confused though. What possible, if they weren't the most advanced trading exchange, <laughs> why would CoinMarketCap tell us so? Yeah. So it's this stupid thing. It, it's an ad, but they're pretending like it's not an ad. And that makes me upset, especially when they're specifically sending you to a shitty thing. Do not use CoinMarketCap. Try to remember to go to LiveCoinWatch.com. I think it's .com. LiveCoinWatch. They are a lot better. How much are they paying you? Yeah, they're paying me all of fucking jack shit. Hey, LiveCoinWatch, if you want to advertise on the podcast, we'll totally take it. Yes, it is .com. Uh, Or CoinCap.io or any of the million or Binance.info. Anything but CoinMarketCap, stop using them. Stop giving them a reason to take that money. If it makes you feel better, they also have right next to it a buy thing. And that's also a different commercial for a different thing. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. If you press buy, it has a drop down. Challengely, exchange cryptocurrency. Oh, cha- the best. Changely is uh, decentralized, I think. Okay. And crypto.com, which is the best place to buy crypto. Oh, where do you where do you see this ad? For- click on any coin on CoinMarketCap and then click trade. So click Bitcoin and go to trade, and it'll be there. It's not an ad. It, it literally, it's it's hidden on a button. It, you have to it be- certainly doesn't look like an ad, which is the annoying part. Fuck you, Coin Market Cap. Whoa. Yeah. You want to send? You want to have somebody come on our show? I'll tell them the same thing. Then I will not be a part of that interview. That's the plan. <laughs> you come on our show? <gasps> Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well. That's that's kind of the end of that. Normally, Mike would transition to one of us, but I'm going to transition to Mike. Mike, I know you're very familiar with Harvard University, and your friends there have been collaborating with a certain cryptocurrency. Uh, I'm not very familiar with Harvard University, but um, I stumbled upon, uh, across an article where they were um, some students at Harvard were collaborating with Tezos, which is a cryptocurrency we have not covered yet. So I decided to investigate this to decide if we should move this up or down our particular, you know, recording schedule. So this uh, Harvard University organization is HUBG, the Harvard Undergraduate Blockchain Group. Hmm. And there's a a guy named Ken who works with uh, Crypto Live League, and he's he's basically organized this group of students because they found that the the underclassmen in particular um, didn't have like a lot of 
resources for crypto. They didn't have any groups. So they figured with all these young, brilliant Harvard engineers and students that they should definitely be organizing this group, uh, meeting regularly and seeing what they can do. So uh, this guy, Ken Garofalo, also organized an event on Sunday with um, Kathleen Breitman, who is one of the co-founders of Tezos. One of the things that I thought was particularly funny uh, is that he's moderating the event for her as a fireside chat. Uh, I think that is a that is a direct call out to Kareem. I will sue my lawyer. They will hear from my lawyer. Yeah. By the end of this episode. I thought I thought that was particularly interesting. Tell them our lawyer is interested. So this group started in the fall of 2017, which ironically was, you know, probably when the birth of this podcast began, the idea where we were like, man, we got nothing to work with. We we don't even know any of the good resources. We wanted to make something that uh, wasn't available. So this group fell into three categories, an investment committee, a technology committee, and a development and marketing committee. So that seems like a pretty reasonable trifecta. I'm not sure what the investment committee necessarily entails. Hopefully that's more of like um, financial students and things that you're just planning, you know, the future. And yeah, so this is pretty interesting. The co-founder is is having a, a chat with these students, and this organization is over three hundred students large on their on their first you know gathering. So a lot of cool things. It, it seemed minor, but I thought it was noteworthy. Also, I know nothing about te- Tezos. I it's definitely the highest co- like market cap that we haven't covered. Yeah, we haven't. Co- <laughs> but like, I know there's so much behind it that I always am like, nah, I don't feel like researching that yet. And I skip it. <laughs> So you- we haven't had the time, honestly. Like it's one that I kind of want to do too, but it's something that I want to put in the full time to do properly. And no jo- you know that time's just not right now. No joke. After we finished our our cryptocurrency this Tuesday, I got a private message from somebody that was listening and was like, "Hey, are you guys doing Tezos?" I'm not even kidding. Yep. That was two days ago. We've gotten asked a lot, and I was like, "Yes." I, my <laughs> my personal bias with Tezos before I knew how to buy and trade Bitcoin. It was the first shit coin that was shilled to me that was like, you need to look into this. And it was by a good friend of mine in Miami. <laughs> I know exactly who it is because he this is he still like a ways after this started came to me and was like, hey, buy this. Something's crazy's happening. You got to get this immediately. So I think we're talking about the same person. I highly he was on a TV it. show. What are the initials of the person? A.D.? Oh, no. OK. The that the person above him. Oh, the, the person that is speaking in his ear. Ah, okay. Oh, this all sounds very exciting. Just letting you guys know from an outside perspective, this is thrilling. You're friends with him too. <laughs> you know, there's certain things you don't want to name drop unless it's necessary. Yeah, we didn't get permission to, to guys, drop his name, so I'm not going to drop guys, his name. Guys, it's the, right. on the Etsy. We'll talk about JP later. <laughs> But yes, this is a coin that was introduced to me as, you know, the first hot tip that I got in crypto. And I remember going into one of my group chats and asking guys like, where can I buy Tezos? I was asking all the very beginner questions. I didn't know how to buy it. I didn't know where to buy it. I didn't have Bitcoin to buy it, to trade it into. I didn't understand anything. And they all kind of just laughed at me, which, you know, I've tried to stop laughing at people that are asking me those types of questions. But yeah, it's 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 something we plan on getting to. But I do know that there was a decent amount of drama involved that we want to give a fair, you know, evaluation to. Yeah, there's a. I, I know there's a lot behind like what happened with that coin, what it was supposed to be, what it ended up becoming, like what it went through, like all that stuff. That's why every time I see it, I'm like, I don't have that kind of, I don't have that kind of space. But hey, you know where you can get Tezos as the primary exchange? I actually do know, and this is why you've probably had such a bad experience with them. Hit BTC, the most advanced crypto exchange out there. Uh, yeah, no, don't, don't. don't. I'll, I'll confess to some things. I've used some shit, <laughs> right? And, and I'm fine with it. Like, I, I am a speculator. I, I don't mind taking slightly higher risk decisions than some of my, you know, co-hosts here. And, and I understand the risk, but I do it for very Bro, I had, reasonable I amounts. To, I had to go on trade Satoshis to dump shit coins, okay? It looked like I was betting on horses in, in Scotland, okay? <laughs> I, I'm familiar with shitty exchanges too. We have to do it sometimes. <laughs> Right. So, 
you know, the two that stood out to me, as, or there's actually three now that are on my list of ones that I've used enough that I can confidently say to avoid. That list would be, it definitely starts with KuCoin. It, it includes hit. Wait, BTC. can I guess the third one? You already know the third one. Kareem, can you guess it? Uh, Trade Satoshis. No, I don't, th- I don't even think Mike stooped that low. <laughs> the crypt- I think I have. I think I've. I think I have an account there. I don't know that I ever. Cryptopia, deposited. I believe, is what you're about to say. Yeah, definitely. They are Cryptopia. so bad. Cryptopia. Uh, I've I've been in enough discords of shit coins that have had like been listed on Cryptopia, and the behind the scenes stuff that teams admit to people. Obviously, I have to understand. There's a bias there. There's a shield, but like, man, just overwhelming. Like. The, the the customer experience for the teams with Cryptopia just is atrocious. In what I've been able to watch, obviously, if they're praising them, I'm not necessarily going to see it. You know, I take that with a grain of salt. But um, those are three exchanges that that are fully functional. There's nothing technically wrong with them right now. But they were the three that I, I would highly recommend uh, not giving any business to. Or if you do, get in, get out. Hit it and quit it. <laughs> but if you do, here's my uh, here's my referral code. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all three do have referral codes. That is a, that is an interesting uh, thing that that, it, it, that uh, ties them together. There's not too many with referral codes. I'd say about half. Yeah, probably. It, I am on the podcast. We won't do it. But if one of my friends is talking about getting a shitcoin, I'm like, yeah, hold on. <laughs> I give I give them those referral codes just in case. Just in case, like I never check, but maybe I've got like a lot of money on one of those exchanges somewhere. I don't know. All right, Brent. Looks like another company is going to be using the Ethereum network for a little bit of transparency. What is this so all this about? Is, this is super cool because even if you don't realize you've used this company, you've used this company. Uh, DocuSign is going to be uh, basically using the Ethereum network to as another layer of verification for their contracts. So if you sign something, you're going to have the option to broadcast it to the Ethereum blockchain. Now, they're not going to broadcast what you're actually signing, like what the paperwork is, but you can prove that there is an agreement between two people on the blockchain. So you can show, I signed it, Kareem signed it, we have an agreement in place, I told you we have an agreement in place, there it is, you can see that. So if you want to make an agreement based on the fact that we have an agreement in place, there it is, or whatever, you know, so, or if you have... If you have a, if you are the owner of the um, of the document as well, you can verify the signatures that way. So the it, just a cool little use case for an immutable ledger, and it's nice to see that they're that they're working on that. In the beginning, it's going to be more expensive to to back up to the Ethereum blockchain, but as, as they get better at it and as it gets a little bit easier to use, maybe with Casper. That it'll be probably included in whatever their base fee is. I'm starting to think Ethereum is going to be a big deal, guys. I know I've said this before, but <laughs> breaking news here: <laughs> crypto. I think that it might even be second to Bitcoin. Only second, only to Bitcoin. You know what? I think. I think. I think there's very. Whoa, I think wait what a you're minute, saying wait has a lot of validity. Minute, wait a minute. It's October, Brent. What was your end of the year prediction? Uh, for Ethereum, I, look on Facebook. I made some bold no, predictions. No, no. Uh huh. Bold predictions. Now that meant that I didn't think I made five of them, and I if I hit even one of them, I would consider that a success. Uh, uh-huh. And one of them was that it sounds like I think Brent would qualify his opinions. With. Uh, I made that very clear when I put it out there. And one of them was I that Ethereum that, would overtake Bitcoin, and I do not believe I. I wholeheartedly the, by the end of the year, the the projection at the beginning of the year, like. If Bitcoin didn't get his shit together the way it was in January, it would have happened. But they got the their shit together. Projection, the projection, the projection from the people predicting the future no, who no, knew no, what they no, were I talking mean, about. Yeah, it was on DraftKings. Uh, it, it, <laughs> oh, you looked at the chart and you were like, "Oh, transaction volume." Uh, okay. Wait a minute. Was I also putting on deodorant? Is that like? Yeah, all right, oh, man. This is you're always flailing your arms. Yeah, that's what I pictured you. I think it's fair to say that like. When you look at the market caps, I think it's a better representation of how far ahead certain projects are. And it still shocks me that Ethereum and XRP are as close as they are. But when you compare Ethereum to basically anything but Bitcoin, like you see, in my opinion, a really wide gap in evolution. Yeah, that may change in 
X years to come, but uh, for now, I don't but, see it. But then Ethereum's also going to have another year yeah. of evolution on top of it. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I was considering that other coins would catch up faster, but I guess I was taking for granted how much work Ethereum had put in by the time I started really uh, trying to really work with it or really understand Dude, it. Dude, this thing is like, <laughs> I mean... Here's the it thing. It changed so much. And there it, it's in a different category, you know, and a lot of things that are trying to catch up. Like we talked about this at the beginning too, even when we did Ethereum, right? We talked how the real power here was gonna be what gets built on here. And I know right now most of what's built on it is kind of trash, but it just has such a sick head start. So much, like so much money, so many projects, so much, so many resources and connections and networks have been built around this platform already. And it's been tested and it's gone through a lot. And there's already even a successful fork. This ain't no joke. You know, like this system has developed a level of resiliency that there might be a lot of good projects out there. And some of them might even develop better technology. We've talked about that before. That's a reminder for like, I believe Cardano, when it gets fully developed, is going to be better technology than Ethereum. Will it overtake Ethereum? Maybe not. There's more to it than just the technology. Ethereum is really setting itself up for the future, I think. Look, Kareem, here's the thing. If, if Ethereum was really that good, then the Petro would have been built on it. All right. That's true. The Petro That's was built true. on the NEM blockchain. So, you know, get your shit together. <laughs> I didn't even know that the Petro was built on them. I thought it was just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I literally ah, thought Maduro was like... <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I don't know, copy-paste Bitcoin, <laughs> add a little oil barrel and... <laughs> Emoji. And <laughs> voila, in the code. <laughs> It's like the Bitcoin logo with a little Venezuelan flag sticker. He's like, you want Petro? Uh. All right, let's move on to crypto around the world. Karim. Dime, dime, dime. What's up with Malta's prime minister? Yo, this is going to be the shortest around the world segment that I was laughing earlier. <laughs> but... So, yeah, but there's so many red characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but it's me. <laughs> so, all right. Malta's prime minister went to go talk to the UN, and he gave a speech about how crypto is the future. He said, we are launching ourselves as the blockchain island, and we're regulating this new technology, and blockchain is going to make cryptocurrency the future because it's going to make it more transparent and patient ownership of medical records and all this stuff and humanitarian aid and personal aid, which was really, really cool, except for the guy is like super mega corrupt. <laughs> and that kind of sucks. And when it's you don't want that person necessarily associating itself with crypto. So it's like, yes, it's cool that Malta is moving forward, but also, you know, we need governments that have a little bit more transparency. You know, it does take away from it. Like if, if, if a legislature that is viewed as being a tax haven and where a lot of like, let's say mafia money gets laundered, let's say Grand Cayman, Cyprus, like, it's cool that some of these places are taking it on, but it can't be in parallel with just cheating legal systems all over the world. Like, oh, we let you have crypto here because we're also tax havens. We want to see more legislatures like Switzerland, which is a country that has low levels of corruption and is saying, no, we're going to regulate crypto. We want this to nourish here. It's not like you can come here because there are no laws. You can come here because there are laws that incentivize, incentivize um, innovation. That's it. I can't believe the leader of a country is corrupt, Kareem. That's uh, no, but th this guy's like really bad, though. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, what comes to your mind? Like I, I have no knowledge of this. Yeah, I was like, getting all excited for Malta. I was like, man, I want to move there. Yeah, well, yeah, no, that's I mean, what I'm I, saying. Because I was reading around. And I, I want more. There's been like multiple corruption scandals with this guy. Malta is considered to be a country that has a lot of corruption issues. Like for example, where I'm from. But even this guy is known to be particularly corrupt by their standards apparently so it's i would love to move to where you're from so that's another to colombia oh man yeah it was colombia was great yeah it's a beautiful place crepes and waffles baby crepes and waffles yeah but crepes and waffles just so you know is in colombia as a german import so you could also go to german i believe crepes and waffles wow. is german <laughs> i missed that Bonus. when i was in germany i wish i had known because i oh, <laughs> oh never mind why did I think German? Why did I hear some? Hmm. Nope, just Colombian. All right. Well, Any I, rants Mike we want to touch on? Again. 
Did, wait, did I lose Brent? Oh my god, you guys keep losing each other. I see you both. This is so weird. Oh my god. I you know how like Apirin asks you to rate them every time you close it? I'm giving them one star today, boys. I don't even know why I said crepes and waffles was German. Somebody told me that when I was a kid. It says here they're just Colombian. All right, welcome, welcome back, Mike. Thank you. And Kareem was completely wrong about crepes and waffles being German. They are, in fact, a Colombian company through and through. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. White people are their white people words. Oh my God. Let me, right now, I, every (laughs) single time that Mike has left and reconnected, he has left a trail behind, by the way, for me. I want to show you guys. (laughs) Three of me now? Yeah. yeah, I want to show you right now my screen. Uh, You're so lucky. Oh, wow. Mike, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Not even subtle. Uh, All right. All right. Mailbag time. Yeah, Crip Basic, Flags Your Friday, you listen to the mailbag drop, where we break down a member's thoughts, just starting crypto, don't you stop, keep listening till you hit the spot, woo! Alright, this name makes me laugh every time I read it, but from the screen name Struggle Snuggles. The Struggle Snuggles are real! <laughs> Struggle Snuggles, that is, that name, that's creative shit, alright. It says, what are your guys' suggestions for looking for ways to start careers in the blockchain ecosystem if you are not coders? I feel many of us are trying to figure out how to be useful in the space, but are having a hard time finding the right way to enter. I know I am. It seems that since it is still more or less in its infancy, it's mainly coders that are needed. Gentlemen, what did you do when you wanted to figure out what to do in the blockchain space? Um, Kareem, what did you do? <laughs> well, I didn't decide to go into the blockchain space other than... This podcast, I guess, I just, I don't have the technical background, so I was focused on joining as an investor, and now I guess I'm a speaker because my friends wanted to join a podcast. So clearly we made the podcast, but if you're looking for a way that isn't like creating content, then I would say try to work for Binance, try to work for uh, one of these companies that will hire uh, technical support maybe as as like a remote position. Uh, I, I mean, I know Coinbase needs text to help because I'm still banned. So maybe maybe if like maybe if you work for Coinbase after listening to this mailbag section, you can get me unbanned from Coinbase. I'd like to invest in the new Coinbase, whatever that thing was. Crabe, <laughs> do you feel like in Brent's opinion, Coinbase is going to be understaffed until he's unbanned? Uh, well, Mike, no matter what happens, it has to be evaluated through the lens of what has recently happened to Brent. So, yes. But to be fair, that is somewhere where he can specifically say, yeah, until you get me unbanned. Sounds like you don't have the staff to take on people that should be unbanned. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. The, I mean, it's possible they're just like, nah, move on. Do you know who I am? <laughs> All right. No, but to get back on the question... I think in situations like this, when you're passionate about something and you want to be involved, then you need to look at yourself and find what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and find a way to make that work. So, you know, if if you're into football, maybe you could join a team, you could play fag football with your friends in your rec leagues, whatever. You might try to coach a team. You might, you know, there's, there's so many different things you could do, but like, it's just, it really depends on what your strengths and weaknesses are as an individual. Um... You know, I'd be happy to help with a little more info. Yeah, just l- listen. I would love to work for, yeah, I don't know what Coinbase pays, but guys, talk to me. I'll get myself unbanned and then you'll basically be g- geniuses. So, yeah, the actual answer is find the non-technical positions at the different blockchain companies because every company needs non-technical positions. They need to have salespeople. They need to have um, management. They need to have translators oh if you speak multiple languages that's just as good as speaking coding as a language like you can you uh being bilingual in some of these especially chinese and english like i think you or or maybe like uh japanese english like you're gonna be in a good spot where you can go to these companies and be like hey let me work for you so yeah or okay all right let's just pretend that you're just an english-speaking guy maybe they have value for you at a company in china or something where you have enough knowledge to be able to explain things through a translator, but I don't know what that looks like because 
this is what I decided on for how I wanted That's to That's how my uncle's career went. I mean, he went to uh, run tech companies in Hong Kong, and then he ran a tech company in Singapore. Uh, he ran a, he ran a tech company in Thailand at one point. So he, he went all over the place before he came back home to Lex Research and then got fired. All right. Second question in the mailbag from Ghost Shoal. And I'm, cu- I'm very curious on your guys' answers to this. How many fourth graders do you think you could take in a fist fight? <laughs> Man. Right. You t- go first this time. I want to go last because I feel like I have the most info here. <laughs> <laughs> How about, wait. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm picturing Mike like having like a fourth grader come up to him and try to steal his wallet or something and just like smashing his face on the ground and be like, fuck you, kid. <laughs> How many fourth graders can I take on? I don't know, man. Like, first of all, have you seen some of the fourth graders out there? Like, they get big. Um, so if we're talking about average size fourth graders, like, I could probably take on. How a- old is a fourth grader? I need to be, sp- I don't have any kids, so I need to be all spoken right. to in my age. Daughter's, my daughter's in third grade. Wait, your daughter's not even in fourth grade? Oh, no, sh- my daughter is very shit. tall, though. I need to readjust my answers. My, my daughter is probably taller than most fourth graders. Right, yeah. Yeah, but I was but, thinking a bigger number, but damn, that made me reevaluate. So how old is that? How old are fourth graders? She, uh, 12. She is young for her age. She They're supposed to turn nine during third grade. So nine to 10 is kind of the age range for fourth Oh, grade. nine to 10. Oh, yeah. I can whoop some nine to 10, but. <laughs> that reminds I me bet. of like the Joe Rogan stand up where he was like, he's like, look, I love my daughters. But I can fuck him up in a fight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, Philbin. I'm going to give you a legitimate answer. How many fourth graders do I think I could take out at the same time? Just like without them. I could probably go four fourth graders. It's a good round number. Like once you get to five, they might be able to grab all four of my extremities and then like get me down. So that's it. That's it. I think I think I mean. Have you seen the Karate Kid? Like uh, the uh, the new one, the one with Jackie Chan fighting the kids. He took on four of them, so I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they were a little older, but not that much. Um. All right. I'm gonna say my answer depends completely on the mental state. Like, if this is like, okay, how many? And then I'm fighting these kids, but I don't wanna like. I don't want to like punch a kid so hard that like I mean he's ten like you could mess up their bones. What if you punch him in the face and crack their skull or something? So you're in a prison. Okay, like if this is a survival thing or this is like a yes. million dollars per kid and I don't care about these kids. They're, it's like virtual reality. Yes, they're expendable. <laughs> dollars per kid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about these kids. <laughs> so Kareem, what you're I, saying is you'd sell your children I, 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 for a million listen, dollars. Listen, listen. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that realistic, like if. My first instinct, I'll go with the small number if I'm still trying to handle this like children. They're like crazy children that I'm trying to subdue, but I'm not going to be like throwing punches in the face. But if this is like all out survival, they're 10 year olds. I'll take you, 10 of them. It's like you could literally, I mean, come on, dude. These guys are 10. They haven't hit puberty. They don't have any testosterone in their muscle. Like how? No, come on. They would. You could use one of them as a helicopter and just start smashing kids. <laughs> this is not like how much does a nine-year-old weigh? If if they weigh less than ninety pounds, you can grab him literally by the feet and swing him around. There's no way, no. So Kareem's answer okay. is he's going to um, use one of the children as a weapon to kill the other children <laughs> in a fist. Kareem's fight. answer is he would try to subdue these children. But if they were actually trying to kill me, then they're in trouble. Or if you you were getting a million dollars per child. It better be a horde. Correct. (laughs) And they were virtual reality children. I clarified that. (laughs) Um, I think I would take the under on Brent's number. And I think that I think that Kareem would be a pretty would, would that's a de- decent line. Um my number is probably like 6 and it, here's what I know. If they were smart enough to be organized, we would have very little chance, but part of it is that and I can tell you with experience they are not they're organized. Not, they're 10 year olds. They they have no They skills. are not organized and they're not intelligent enough to be organized and you know, if it is a dire situation, I don't think that 
the children could understand what a dire situation is yet and how serious it could be. And an adult that is in fight or flight mode yeah. against a child that is doing the best to comprehend fight or flight, <laughs> I think the adult would would generally ravage pretty hard. Uh, uh, you know, my concern with Brent... Adult male versus children. This is the conversation we're having. I don't even understand. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> It was it was a legitimate mailbag question that was proposed by Ghost Shoal. Yeah, like I don't know, like like Brent, like I think three is going to be tough, and you probably could do pretty well with three, but like four, they start like they can get you. They're always behind you with four. Like no matter what you do, there's someone behind you. Yeah, so I'm not trying to rag on Brent, but one of the reasons I'm picking a big number is because I feel like I can get away from the kids. You know, like run, sure, and that you don't get to run run for a little bit. You gotta fight them. Yeah, but you got to put them in like a location. Like if I'm in a gym area, no, no, for sure you can outsmart them. Yeah, like, like okay, sure. If it's twelve kids and we're in a battle area that's like four square feet, well, it sounds like I'm dead because I'm not even going to be able to swing my arms. But if you put me in a gymnasium, right. you could run around and then just pop one and then just keep running around. You're just taking uh, them out one yeah, at a time. Yeah, you kind of isolate. You kind of you kind of isolate them with moving and yeah. whatnot. And and that's why I think that, you know, I'm going to struggle because I don't have the stamina that I'd like to have and that eventually I you're not going to wear them out. I promise I, you I like that. Kareem's Kareem, four-year-old gonna... sword strategy, like use one of them as a sword to, to kill the other ones. That's that's definitely oh, for sure. the that's right part strategy. Of it. Yeah, Here's, this is unfortunate. This is why I can't I don't I wouldn't really do this. But if I had to, <laughs> you got to you got to instill fear into the first couple of children. I, you could with a good punch. On one kid, you could take out the first six because they're so scared. Nobody wants to put it. I might run away if I see somebody punch in the face really hard. And I'm like, you know what? I don't no, want to no, be part of no, this No, fight. you got to like headbutt them. You got to grab their head and be like, rah, rah! And, <laughs> Or even worse, grab their phone and smash it. And then that's it. Oh, they're, oh they're, man. They're all like, this fight's over. Yeah, they would just be crying. <laughs> all right. So um, anything about... Wyoming or <laughs> are we done? <laughs> McAfee, we got through. We got a whole episode without EOS. Man, this is oh, can't there was something news. I considered putting in about no, EOS, no. but it I'm was just so like duh that I didn't Thank put God. it. Oh wait, hold on a second. Let me guess. There was a bad thing that they did, and then some people don't it's worry. A it's bad a feature, not a bug. It, the quick version is uh, the no. We don't care, Brent. No. Stop. One Stop. of the exchanges Stop. is colluding. Brent, Do not finish this. Brent, the members of the Crypto Basic, the crypto basic Podcast are not financial, are not financial advisors. advisors. We're not, idiots. Nor are we, we talk about things that we shouldn't talk about. Killing children. Oh, Jesus. Yes, hypothetically, there could be right, up right. to 20 oh, dead okay. children. Oh, Jesus. oh, my God, boys. Relax. <laughs> okay. We talked about fighting <laughs> fake kids because of a mailback question. We aren't. Jesus. Damn. Anyway. <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> Wrap it up. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Friday flagship on the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name was Mike. I was here with Brent and Kareem. Thanks again for tuning in. Mm-hmm.